It's the bottom line on News Radio 610, KONA. From the Tri Cities to Olympia to DC, we break down, break it all down the stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser with your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. It is the bottom line. News Radio 610-KONA. 547-1610 is the number if you'd like to get involved. You can reach us via email, 610-KONA.com. Bottom line page, your name, where you're listening, what you'd like to say. We're on Twitter at bottom line 610, parlor at the bottom line 610, and available through the free mobile app on Google Play and the Apple stores. Robin Ed with you. And Ed, want to get to an email that we got in the last hour from Julie listening in Kennewick. She said, I hope you'll give ample airtime to discuss the issues surrounding Sheriff Hatcher and the potential recall petition that he's facing. It's an important issue that directly affects our community. It would serve the community well to have an open, informative, honest discussion on your program about what's happening at our local sheriff's office. Uh, Julie, we've been following this for, gosh, next month will be a year. Yeah. Next month will be a year since everything began uh, regarding the Benton County Sheriff. Not the recall per se. Not the recall, but but all all the events of the last year. the dominoes. The the dominoes that have fallen over the last year. Uh, We have had the sheriff on this program on more than one occasion talking about it. We've also interviewed uh, the attorney from the Deputies Guild regarding all of this as well. So we've been pretty, we've been up on it. Uh, More will certainly bear discussion after tomorrow's Benton County Commissioner's meeting where there's an item on the agenda. Uh, where the sheriff, as an elected official in the county, does have the legal right to ask for legal representation from the county in the recall petition, which it's not potential. It has been filed. Um, The only thing potential remaining is what the judge's decision on it, if the judge will allow it to move forward, and then it moves into the signature stage. But we appreciate your email, and hopefully you have been able to catch quite a bit of the discussion we've had on the program regarding that situation. You're up on the bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA. Your name, where are you calling from? Hey, this is Matt from Goldendale. What's up, Matt? I'm just wondering, all these children are sitting here trying to uh, go on strike for the uh, athletics on, in, in the colleges, and they're basically getting, I, I don't know what tuition is and room and board is for the colleges nowadays, what, 60000 70000 a year? Depends on the school. Okay, so... They're going probably two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on on a free ride for a scholarship, and then they want to go on strike. Why doesn't the school just say go on strike and we'll take the second string and we'll move them up in your place? Appreciate the call, Matt. I guess the the, the question that I would pose is when colleges, universities, and conferences are making not millions, but billions of dollars when their football team uh, makes it to the upper echelon of bowl games. You know, the money that is is floating around out there, ad revenue, TV revenue, uh, all kinds of stuff. Um, should, should the players simply be satisfied when they see their universities are making billions off of them to be satisfied with tens of thousands worth of compensation. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but that's what the discussion is about. It's it's no longer, you know, it, it, it's no longer like it was in the 60s, 70s, 80s, maybe even 90s, where 
yeah, the full ride scholarship, that was that was a good deal, man. You heck yeah, you want me to come to your school and you're going to give me the equivalent of a four year education, come out with a diploma where I can get a job or maybe get a chance to play professionally. And I don't have to pay for room or board or books or any of that stuff. And all I have to do is play football to the best of my ability. Heck yeah, I'll take that. That was when schools were making millions. The upper echelon were making millions of dollars off of that. That's the discussion. And, you know, honestly, Rob, I know, you know, you're going through the list of demands that that the some of the Pac-12 players are making. Um, some of them are reasonable in my mind, those pertaining to the pandemic. And then after a while, the demands look like, well, we're just going to take this chance and throw caution to the wind and see what we can get is because some of these things are way out there and and they're bargaining tools. They're 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 not going to happen, but they're they're a bargaining tool. And. You know, my favorite question is, why now? Why why now? Because universities have been making billions for at least the last two decades. The upper echelon programs, college football programs, are making money hand over fist. And yeah, some of those quote-unquote lesser sports, and I can say that because I played one, get to benefit from that money as well. That's... Why now is because of what's going on this in this country right now, partially, and it could very well be it's a generational thing that this generation is is going to make more demands and feel like they are owed more than, say, my generation or the older generations. Let's go to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is Don. And what's going on? Hey, just uh, thinking about the sports and all the people uh, who are in the lesser uh, sports. And so if you took, if you did all the math, they may get, you know, billions of dollars for, for those one uh, one or two sports. But if everything else is barely breaking even or losing, and then you get all these kids who uh, are getting a free ride on the other sports, it takes a lot of money to be able to pay for all the other stuff. So I think these kids are not really thinking through the the raw end of the of the numbers and and really figuring it out. Now it's not saying that the universities aren't making money over top of that, but but I think they really need to, to think about it. And I think you're right too about it's a generational thing and why right now it's just because of the it's it's the timing of what everybody's uh, going crazy over in the, in the United States right now. Appreciate the call. Thanks for the call. We got an email from Jim and Pasco said regarding Pac-12 football athlete demands. This is too easy. If they want a paycheck, tell them to do the same thing hundreds of other athletes have done, turn pro. There's a reason you're considered, quote, amateur. Someone needs to stand up to these thugs and say with a loud voice, go pound sand. <laughs> um, well, you just did, Jim, so uh, <laughs> you just did that in your email. But But I do think as things have evolved, and there are certain things, and as we talked about in the last hour, that have made their way into the conversation 
that are not straight, specific, on-field, and education. And that is the video games and other elements where, you know, now back in the early days of the video games, there were no licensing agreements. Mm -mm. There were no player names. There were no specific associations, um, you know, to where a player would be linked to a team and there would be money made. And then, you know, the pro leagues were the first ones to come up with those agreements because they're sitting there looking at it going, hey, how much money could we make if we licensed the, the you know our players' names and logos to these things? And oh boy, then college got into the game. Now you want to make that argument that they deserve a piece of that. I, I'm okay with making that argument, but where to me the argument ends is if you want to get paid additional money to play, then forfeit the scholarship, get a salary. That scholarship can then go to a student who can't afford to go to college. So then you don't take you take it out of the athletic department and you move it to the general admissions. General admissions mm-hmm. because how many kids lose an opportunity to potentially turn their lives around because they can't afford college. So if you're going to be an athlete and you want to forego having your education paid for for a stipend for for pay then the scholarship goes out of the athletic realm and goes into the education realm. Um, We know the sports make plenty of money. Mm -hmm. So if you want to go in that direction, I'm fine with that. But then all athletic scholarships go out the window, with the exception of the sports that don't generate revenue. Because a a swimmer or or a uh, crew or track and field or somebody in a sport that looks at it and goes, okay, we have this amount of scholarships. Does our revenue in that sport exceed the spo- the scholarships that we award? If it doesn't, then they keep their scholarships. But football, basketball, uh, men's and women's basketball, scholarships go if you want to get paid. Scholarships are out the window. They go to, st- they go to students who can't afford across the board, students who can't afford. And more often than not, those students are middle class because they don't get financial assistance. And they may not be able to afford college. Big picture, because I'm a big picture guy. On one hand, these athletes, I, I feel like these athletes have have complete rights to have this conversation. That doesn't mean that they're gonna they should get everything they're asked for or that they're asking for. They have, I think, the right to ask. And and see where this leads. Now, again, many of these things are way out of the scope of what we're talking about right now. But I don't think that I, I think gone are the days where athletes should just shut up and play. Even college athletes that that do get a full ride scholarship, just shut up and play. I don't think that's right either. It, there is a fine line there, because if you if you go too far then you get what is going on in this country right now. You get, well, I'm going to get mine. And what about me? And we're, again, big picture here, we're losing an aspect of working for what we're going to get. We shouldn't be just given stuff simply by existing. That, my friends, is socialism. And you can work for things 
get rewarded. And if you do a little bit above and beyond, eh, maybe you get a bonus of some kind, whatever that may be. Not talking pay, but something extra. But what you just said doesn't exist in a socialist society because there's no bump up. I don't want a socialist society. The bottom line, the only place that cares what you think. Call in now, 509-547-1610. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. Bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA, 547-1610 is the number if you'd like to get involved. If you're reopening during the COVID-19 pandemic, whether you're one of the businesses that has more seating capability or you're one that is now able to allow more people into your shop, Contact Jason Hogue with American Family Insurance, jasonhogue.com, and see if your insurance has everything you need for reopening in a COVID-19 world. Uh, check out all the info Jason has for you. Set up an appointment to talk to him by going to his website, jasonhogue.com, and you can ask about auto insurance, life insurance, homeowners insurance, and farm insurance as well, if you know somebody that's looking to get a policy there. jasonhogue.com. For Jason Hogue, the only American star certified agent for American Family Insurance in the Tri-Cities. 547-1610 if you would like to get involved. So it's been interesting, some of the things that we have seen, uh, disheartening as well, in some of the, the the threads around the country regarding the protests, violence that's ticked up in certain areas. Um, the city of Portland. City of Portland has seen three times the amount of handgun-related crimes in the month of July than they did in the last 30 years. Well, because Trump sent in the troops. Yeah, that's why. Yes, that's why. Um, it's interesting because the um, the head of the Portland Police Department attributed it to the ending of the unit that they had specifically focused on gun crimes, which stopped July 1st due to cutbacks from the city council. 60. There were over 60. Over 60 just in the month of July in Portland. That's two a day. And deaths were at a 30-year high Mm. for a month in Portland. Chicago (laughs) <laughs> wow. We, we've we heard the Chicago stories, right? The number of shooting victims under the age of 10 has tripled mm. from last year. 24 children at the end of July, 10 years and younger, were shot within the city. Five of them were killed. So it begs the question. These are some of the places where... Local leaders are calling for the demilitarization, quote-unquote, of the police departments. They don't want the feds stepping in. They want to handle things themselves. Right now, at least those two cities, it's not working. Here's how bad, okay, and Chicago is, is, is one element, but Chicago stands out for many reasons. A nine-year-old boy went out to play with a group of friends and was shot in the chest. 
nine-year-old boy going out to play, an honor student shot in the chest and died. I, I have yet, I have not seen Al Sharpton say a word about this. Not heard about any protest plan. But you know what? I have seen a lot of community leaders in Chicago finally, well, not finally, they have been repeating this message over and over again for the last few years. When is this going to stop? When are we going to stop killing our children? When are we going to stop burying our children? Well, let's look at Chicago as a microchasm for what they're trying to do around the rest of the country in large cities, which, by the way, 35 of the top 50 cities in the United States have higher gun crimes and deaths at this stage. They're in double digits. They've seen double-digit percentage increases from last year. Double-digit percentage increases in 35 of the top 50 cities in the United States. I have a lot of questions. Like, the first one that pops into my mind, no, it's not how many of those are run by Democrats. That's not where I'm going with it. But how many of those 35 in the top 50 have either strict gun control laws or gun, and or gun control laws that are not being enforced? Well, and that's where you look at Chicago as the example of this. How many of these places have been targeted? to defund the police. And look, I want to go back to a previous caller. This He was talking about the, the college football thing, but it applies here too. I've said on many occasions that, and this is my opinion, that when you are talking about many people on the left... I'm not talking Democrats or Republicans. I'm talking about people on the left, those that see an injustice, they want change, and they're willing to they're willing to go pretty far, you know, whether it's protesting or even beyond that to get that message across. Those people that lean in that direction tend to be idealistic, idea people. Whereas those on the right are more pragmatic. What do you hear most from those on the right? Well, how much is it going to cost? What is this going to mean, not only fiscally, but to the fabric of our system, uh, law and order, things like that? I will say it again. We need both people. We need people with good ideas, and change can be good. We also need the pragmatic people to help find a way to make those ideas work for as many, if not everyone, as possible. That's what's missing right now. Both of those, both sides of that brain are not in unison right now. The left-brained want to just throw an idea out and we're going to demand stuff and whatever happens, happens. Well, that's not realistic. And the right brain people want to just worry about how much it's going to cost and just worry about the, the pragmatic things. Well, how many of the new good ideas come from that way of thinking? Not many. 
It takes both, people. It takes both. 547-1610, 509-547-1610. Back with more after this. Can't get in by phone? Give us your bottom line through email. Send your thoughts from the bottom lines page at 610kona.com. Back to the bottom line with Robin Ed, presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser on News Radio 610 KONA. Back at the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. Monday afternoon, 547-1610, if you'd like to get involved in the program. Robin Ed hanging with you. You can also get us via email, 610kona.com. Bottom line page, your name, where you're listening, what you would like to say. And I believe it was Friday, or late last week, could even have been over the weekend. Probably it was Friday, be my best guess. Seattle may be looking to become the Chicago of the West Coast. Now, people might be sitting there saying, well, Portland's already there. Well, not quite. Not quite yet. No, they're not there yet. Um, Council members Lisa Herbold, Tammy Morales, Teresa Mosqueda, and M. Lorena Gonzalez put forth their plan to reduce the funding and force for Seattle Police Department. Um. They could reduce the force by as many as 100 officers, but they did say defunding the department by 50% can't be achieved in the short term because layoffs could be delayed by the collective bargaining agreement with the Seattle police officers. Mm. Yeah. Their proposed layoffs could decrease the department's $409 million budget by $3 million if the reductions are carried out by November. This is where they're targeting. The SWAT team the encampment removal team, and the mounted unit. You might ask yourself, the mounted unit, why the mounted unit? Well, video circulated over the weekend of how effective a mounted unit was in disrupting protests. Yes. Very effectively used by the Austin, Texas Police Department in disrupting a protest, in forcing protesters to not block a highway, or a roadway, I should say. Um. SWAT, encampment removal team, mounted unit. So you have the team that is highly trained to respond to high-pressure situations. Okay, Because who do they call in when there's a bank robbery or there is a hostage situation or there is a, a situation that requires much more of a tactical approach? Well, it's a SWAT team, they call. The encampment removal team deals specifically with the removal of homeless encampments in areas that they're not supposed to be. And the mounted unit, as we discussed, uh, you know, has, has its, as its role as well and can be used very effectively. So that would take <clears throat> officers that are specifically assigned to deal with certain issues in the city out of the equation. This on the heels of, quote, protesters making the trek to Snohomish to visit the home of Police Chief Carmen Best over the weekend. Because after all, that's that's what protesting is supposed to be all about, intimidating the police chief of a city by marching to her home. Well, Uh, now, now, hold on. We... Has it been confirmed that it was her home? I know it was it was listed as a residence. Now that could mean that 
she owns the property and rents it out or what have you. I know that there was some discussion about uh, how she didn't live in the city that she was the police chief right. in. Right, which which was Snohomish. Right. It said it, everything I see says showed up at her home okay. in Snohomish County. Okay, I just want to make that distinction. Um, okay. So, and apparently it wasn't just a handful of them. It was a lot of them. And she wrote a letter to city council after the incident and said, you know, look, this is not what this is supposed to be. Um, She said, and I'll read a part of the part of the letter she wrote. It wasn't very long. I want to update you on recent events, particularly those that occurred late last night. A residence of mine in Snohomish County was targeted by a large group of aggressive protesters late last night. My neighbors were concerned by such a large group, but they were successful in ensuring the crowd was not able to trespass or engage in other illegal behavior in the area, despite repeated attempts to do so. Currently, the local sheriff, not SPD resources, is monitoring this situation. I urge both of you and the entire council to stand up for what is right. These direct actions against elected officials and especially civil servants like myself are out of line with and go against every democratic principle that guides our nation. Before this devolves into the new way of doing business by mob rule here in Seattle and across the nation, elected officials like you must forcefully call for the end of these tactics. The events of this summer were initiated in a moment of grief and outrage over the murder of George Floyd by Minneapolis police officers and so many other black and brown people suffering at the hands of injustice. All of us must ensure that this righteous cause is not lost in the confusion of so many protesters now engaging in violence and intimidation, which many are not speaking against. Makes perfect sense what she said. Therefore, she needs to be silenced. Well, <laughs> well that's that's apparently it. Well, and the, 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 the thing that struck me the most was... This mob tactic, this mob rule tactic, this isn't new in Seattle. Shama Sawant, when she became a member of the she city council, a lot of this. She, well, she led the charge, yeah. you know, and, and it, again, things are, are ramped up now because everything is ramped up now where you, you know, she's led protests. She's she's held her fair share of megaphones yelling to people about a call to action and we need to do this and we need to do that. And it's taken it to the next level in Seattle where they're breaking into the library to hold a meeting and doing the, this tactics, this, this mob rule that, I mean, that's, that's a perfect way to put it. The mob rule is doing its thing in many places around the country and many places it's going unchecked. And, the, you know, the, the reasons vary. You know, some people believe that it's it's politically motivated uh, because we are in, a, in an election year for many positions, not just the president, but, you know, governors and mayors are up for election this time around, too. And, you know, uh, I've said it before, some of these politicians are making a, a they're taking a calculated risk. By taking the positions that they are, whether it's in California, Oregon, Washington, where else, that these actions are going to help them come election time. And I I don't know. I don't know that it is. Maybe in some places and not all. I don't know. But, you know, you go back to, you know, to Seattle and Jenny Durkin has been all over the map 
you know, from the summer of love to we're going to crack down and take. They went these, to her house, too. They did. They did. And, you know, Ted Wheeler in Portland and, you know, the governors of each state and, and you know, Gavin Newsom down in California. And I'm sure there's plenty of other politicians down California way doing the same thing. Let's go to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? That's John from Richland. Hi, John. What's up? Well, it is interesting, and you made a good point about the left and the right comparing the two. And often the, the, the left will bring up injustices uh, that should be addressed, and, and probably rightfully so. For example, you know, with the situation with the uh, policeman you know, basically murdering a, uh, a black man. But, but why are they focused often on just one particular aspect? If you were to, for example, uh, if you happen to have a video, it would be horrible, of a 10-year-old being shot, a 10-year-old black child being shot, which happens probably more uh, often, there would be outrage. But it seems like the left is often selective, and then after that selection, which is a small percentage, most police officers, many, the highest percentage, are very good people. It's an overreaction. Now there's defunding of police departments. There's just this huge overreaction going, uh, and it's in the larger cities. Uh, for you know, Seattle, Portland, which we can't do much about here. But the only thing, one thing I feel is that I'm glad I'm living here and not there. And I think after a while, people will get sick of, well, maybe living in Portland, maybe living in Seattle, and, you know, find uh, it may be helpful to us, the rest of the country, of, of getting uh, maybe, I don't know if we get better people, hopefully, this, the good people, the people that are commonsensical would, would move over here and, and maybe the other cities would grow uh, in, in, in a sense. But I think they're going to just ruin, ru- there's ruining two good cities. I won't even travel over there. I, I'm done with Portland. I'm done with Seattle. I used to go there many times a year and forget about it. Appreciate the call. Thanks Thank you so call. much. It's uh, <clears throat> it's interesting. Before we go to the next caller, um <laughs> People, it used to be a running joke about California. You know, people would leave California because of all the crime, the high taxes, you know, high power rates, gas costs, all these things, and they were just sick of it, and they'd move up to Oregon. Well, now Oregon's got issues, and they move up to Washington, and Washington has issues, and it's just interesting. You know, I I feel grateful, too, to live in this part of the state, and, and I echo that last caller, I've said it before, my family and I, we, over the last handful of years, have been to both of those cities numerous times. We've had a great time. There's no way on God's green earth that I would take my family into either of those cities right now or in the foreseeable future. Let's go back to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Yeah, this is Art here from Kennewick. Uh, how are we doing? Uh, you tell us, Art. How are you doing? Well, you know, I was born in Seattle and have lived over there for a few years, uh, and uh, you know, I with this Black Lives Matter, you know, I I think it started out maybe on a good premise, but the thing of it is, since it started, look how many more black people have been killed, and uh, and it seems like it's more black on black uh, th- that it's happened, and. You know, it's uh, we have uh, black athletes. I think LeBron James. I think he could have done so much more for for uh, 
uh, you know, this situation, if he come out and, you know, work with the gangs and so forth instead of, uh, you know, it seems like too many of them, they, they're so interested in their money, you know, with the NBA and, uh, and so forth. Uh, there's uh, with Hong Kong, they won't even support the, the, the people that are protesting in Hong Kong and then the, uh, the cheap labor that uh, um, uh, they're in uh, that makes part of the uh, Nike goods and so forth. You know, there's so much that could be done. But this Black Lives Matter is kind of blown up in their face, and too many people have been killed, even though it may have, may have been started out good. But, uh, you know, people have to come together, and uh, we're one country, and they're just too much made on race, I think. We're, we're all one. We should all be brothers. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Art. You know, it's interesting. For a number of years, New York City has been held as the model of how you can have a large metropolitan area and have a handle on crime. Well, now people in New York City are afraid it's going to devolve back to where it was in the late 80s. Um, 59% increase in murders from July of last year to July of this year. Two teenagers, Bronx father, shot walking with a six-year-old daughter, a one-year-old shot. 177% increase in shootings from July to July, 72% increase in the same time period last year, the same time period this year, New York City. What are they doing about it? Apparently ending patrols and programs that were focused on gun violence because that's why the increase is there. Now back to the bottom line on News Radio 610 KONA, presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. It's your voice, your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509 547 1610. Bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA, final few minutes, Monday afternoon. Swing by CBD American Shaman across from the grain elevator on Clearwater in Kennewick. 100% natural CBD products. They are there from the seed to the shelf. They're there where they're planted. They do their own testing on their own product. Their nanotechnology breaks down the hemp oil so that it is easier to process through your body, makes it water-soluble. And, of course, they only sell CBD American Shaman products, so you know they stand by everything that is in their store. Stop by talk to the knowledgeable people at CBD American Shaman today for all of your CBD needs. 547-1610 is the number. If you'd like to be involved, get involved in the show, you're up. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, it's Chris from Richmond. What's up, Chris? Uh, I'd like to make a comment about something a little stuck in my craw here. Um, I was always under the impression that kids went to college to get an education. I understand a lot of them are outstanding athletes and standouts in high school. But if we allow college students, students, become professional athletes what happens to the education um should they get something yeah maybe uh a trust should get set up for these kids if they graduate if they get on a professional team then so be it that was their gateway um to set up a trust maybe uh something they can buy a house or something like that when they get out of college but most of those kids um become professionals in not just sports but life due to their education not because they went to college 
and got a bunch of endorsements from places like Nike. Thank you. Appreciate the call. Thank you so much. Five four seven one six ten is the number if you want to join us in our final few minutes. You know, we're talking about what's gone on in Portland for more than two months now. Every night, um, things are ramping up. You know, we've seen attacks. We've seen uh, businesses shut down. We've seen interstates shut down uh, because of protesters. And we've seen rioting and looting and spray painting. We've even seen the American flag burn. But over the weekend, Rob, they upped their game. Not only was the American flag burned, but Bibles were burned as well. Yeah, I saw that. Tell me, you know, maybe I missed the connection. Tell me what justice for George Floyd equality for African-Americans and all minorities and quote-unquote systematic racism has to do with burning a Bible. Is it only rich white people that are Christians? Not too sure about that. Go check out the the Deep South for, for one place. You know, is this, you know, at what point does, or maybe we've already reached it, for a majority of the people, that message that we've talked about on this program a number of times gotten so skewed that nobody is listening anymore. You burn buildings, shatter windows, spray paint them. You burn the American flag, which is protected, by the way, under the Constitution Mm -hmm. that you want to undo. Now you're burning Bibles. I have a feeling you're going to tick off enough people by doing that where the message is done. I don't don't know about, I don't know in Portland if you're going to do that. Um, But, you know, just my personal opinion, um, you know, I, I, as far as it comes to faith and for me, um, you know, that, that's a, it's a material representation of faith, much like a church is or some other things. Um, does it bother me? Well, it, it, it bothers me as it would, you know, any other type of attempting to burn and censor. Um, who is going to stop them? Nobody. Um, and that's the other part of it. As it continues to devolve, and as you, you said so well, as this continues to devolve and more things are brought into it, it takes more away from what the original message was supposed to be. But this was going to devolve anyway, um, because the, the message, as you've seen across, is it's not about George Floyd. It's more about trying to fundamentally change the direction of this country and each time this happens they gain a little bit more of a foothold as you've seen on display by some entities that weren't having any of this a couple years ago well now they're embracing it so each time there's a little bit more of a foothold that's grasped until they reach the top rung of the ladder and let's hope 
that this election cycle in November doesn't accomplish that.